Hey, we're laughing and we've been together now for 30 seconds. It's amazing. Um, Shabbat Shalom, HFF family. Uh, so we got 14 people here today. Um, all of them come from various different places all around the United States, um, have different talents and different gifts. And so I'm going to start over here with Dr. David Jones and have them just briefly kind of introduce themselves, introduce their ministry, tell you just really quickly a little bit about them, uh, since some, some of you may not know all of the people who are up there. Shabbat Shalom, guys. So yeah, uh, David Jones from Tampa, Florida. Uh, it's a little warmer there right now. And... Uh, but uh, it, it, it's good. So we've been, do, we've been doing this for about 21 years now. So uh, it's always still something new and something fresh, and we're just always trying to seek the heart of the Father. So that's one of the reasons why I'm here. So nice to see you all, nice to meet you all, and uh, hopefully I get to talk to you all too. Hey, guys. Uh, I'm Joshua Inslee. I'm from North Georgia. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, I'm from the Nehemia Restoration Fellowship of Southeast Tennessee slash North Georgia. Um, and you can find my other info. I write, I teach, and uh, I publish online at joshuainsley.org. So feel free to check it out and follow me. I'm not very good at coming up with catchy names, apparently. So that's just all I got. John Diffenderfer. I'm from Nashville, Tennessee. We've got a congregation that we pastor there called Mercy Collective. We're also working on a project for Mercy Gate Fellowships to plant congregations and home groups everywhere we can. Awesome. Ephraim Judah from Live and Lamb Ministries, also the director of Camp Yeshua, Messianic Youth Summer Camp, and also one of the pastors here at HFF. And uh, it's just an honor and ple pleasure to be up here with uh, so many great brethren uh, to share a message of uh, unity and uh, really trying to turn our focus on the leading of the Holy Spirit, um, not under our own power, our own strength, and our own knowledge, but uh, just praying that the Holy Spirit would lead um, all of us in everything that we uh, do to minister to the people, to teach his word and his instruction, and uh, all of those wonderful things. Welcome to HFF, Ephraim. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm Daniel Musson. I'm just a guy uh, who gets to live life with the most amazing woman, Melissa Musson. And uh, occasionally I get to teach here at Hebraic Family Fellowship and at Lion and Lamb. Hey, good morning, Shabbat Shalom. My name is Matt Knapper from Northeast Louisiana. I'm one of three community pastors at Beit Shalom Messiana uh, Congregation. Nathan Hall, Layman Tucker, you can find them online, the other two community pastors there. Uh, love serving the kingdom with them in our community. Uh, my, my favorite person to serve the kingdom with is my wife, Melissa, who I would, I would argue is the best woman in the world. Uh, glad to be here. Honored. And that's how disunity starts. <laughs> we start talking about the wives. I have the best wife, I have the best wife, I have the best wife. Ryan, they, they know who I am. You sure? No, I'm not positive. I don't know who you are. Well, that's okay. Stranger danger. It, if I have my glasses on or off, I'm two different people. <laughs> Multi bipolar. There you go. I'm Ryan White. I am from Minneapolis, Minnesota area. And I have a ministry, Faith of Messiah Ministries. Do a lot of teaching videos on there. Get to travel around and... Uh, do Sukkot with these guys, probably a lot of you in the audience, and have a great time with that. Got a wife and five boys, so it's fun. My name is PD van der Westeisen. I'm from South Africa. I moved to the United States about two years ago. Uh, we have a ministry called Rise on Fart Ministries. 
um, a lot of online YouTube videos as well as travels to spread the gospel of our Master Yeshua. Um, our ministry is surround. Uh, really, we focus on uh, the, the message of walking in spirit and truth, and restoring that that would the Father call us to walk in. And uh, my beautiful wife Christina is here in the audience with me today. And uh, yeah, oh, there she is. Uh, my name is uh, Matthew Vanderels. I'm one of four community pastors at a fellowship in Rock Hill, South Carolina, uh, just shy of Charlotte, North Carolina, called Founded in Truth Fellowship. Um, yeah, amazing, uh, amazing community that we have. Uh, very blessed to be a part of it. And uh, I have a, a wonderful wife, uh, Jenny, and uh, one son and two foster daughters currently. And so quite a dynamic family. And uh, just very blessed and very blessed to be here with you guys today. So. I'm David Altman, and uh, I'm here uh, for uh, three different organizations. Key of David Publishing, which I'm the director of. Uh, Messianic Israel Alliance, which I'm also the director of, and B'nai Yosef North America, which I'm the de deputy de uh, executive director of. And I'm just an administrator, not really a teacher. I have done that on occasion, and uh, in awe of most of these guys and their abilities. Um, Nathan Harmon, uh, with Wilderness Driven Family, with my wife, uh, uh, Alexis, and my two kids, Ashton and Juliana. Uh, our ministry is really just focused on big white tent meetings all across the country. Um, we raise a banner of, of the king, but also pointing people back to the rhythms of the front of the book. Uh, and so it's, yeah, it's wilderness-driven families just focused on a wilderness mindset with spirit and truth, like PD said, but also family priority, making not, not forsaken family for success or just even ministry, making family one echad. So. Shabbat Shalom, Michael Schoening with uh, the Altry Messianic Synagogue. Oh, is I'm too loud? <laughs> Sorry. And I'm really loud. Uh, Colorado Springs, Colorado. Beautiful place. I hear a whoop somewhere? Yes, good job. Uh, no oxygen. It's a terrible place. But um, it's going to be here. Um, Altry Messianic Synagogue, um, Southern Colorado Messianic Union, and Sakota the Rockies. Keeping me busy. My wife is the greatest. She is the greatest. She's not here, though. I'm from Texas. <laughs> Brian Serrano, pastor of the sister church of this beautiful congregation, teaching pastor of HFF DFW, also the camp pastor of Messiah, Texas. Uh, my wife isn't the greatest, but she's the hottest, so <laughs> I choose that. Um, and I'm the dad of three kids, and my oldest daughter, Oakley Robin, is here with us, so. All right, well, we're going to jump in. I know. Hi, Oakley. How are you? It's good to see you here. Uh, we're going to jump in. We're probably going to go a little bit past 12 today, so uh, I apologize for that. Um, if we annoy you or you're bored by us, you can absolutely leave. Like, I will only be mad at you for like 30 seconds. Um, that's a lie. I'll be mad at you for longer than that, but uh, Father, forgive me. Um, so we're going to dive right in today. So on this stage, we've got, we've got some people who've been in this movement 30, 30 years, 30 plus years, and then on down into, you know, a couple years. Um, obviously, you've seen from different ministries, from different geographical areas but one thing is is in common between all of us that that we have come to find being a unifying moment and that is we love Yeshua 
We love Jesus. And so at the, at the heart of any debates, Midrash on Torah or the feasts or the festivals or all of those things that have existed for many, many years long before I was alive, uh, the one thing that we all agree on is that Yeshua is the Messiah and that there needs to be more emphasis in our walk, how we teach the Torah, how we look at that, uh, more emphasis on Yeshua as a whole. So I'm going to kind of open it up um, to the guys to share a little bit about how do, how do you go about teaching with Yeshua being the foundation of the center of the message you're giving? How do you, in your own walks, your own churches, your own families, how do you approach Yeshua um, and just any, anything that the Holy Spirit has just kind of put on your hearts uh, along those lines? I'll jump in on this because uh, nobody else wants to go first and that's okay with me. Um, when it comes to teaching the Torah, teaching the scripture, the foundation of, of what we believe has to always be Yeshua. As it says in 1 Corinthians 3, Yeshua is the foundation laying, you're building your house upon any other foundation just simply won't work. Um, we have to be teaching the heart of Yeshua in everything that we do, and that goes to every Torah portion that is done, as many of our congregations teach the Torah on a regular basis. Um, if we're not pointing it to Yeshua or revealing Yeshua in the Scriptures, if we are not paralleling the life of Joseph to our mm, Messiah and how cool. he is a, the, the Savior of the world, how it, the Scripture sets the precedent for one man to be able to save the world, uh, then not pointing that, of course, to the seed of Abraham, to the Messiah, then we're obviously failing to teach the whole Word of God. He's the foundation in all of that. And if we, whenever we go into any other teaching based on knowledge, scripture, um, as the Torah portions will shift in the book of Exodus, going to uh, teaching about the ta tabernacle, and constructing the tabernacle, and so much scripture is associated with that, the priesthood. If we are not teaching everyone that... It is the Messiah who is building that same tabernacle spiritually inside the hearts of every single one of his believers as we talk about the physical things, as we talk about the high priest. If we're not identifying Yeshua as the spotless high priest, the anointed high priest, as the one who is the intercessor in our hearts between us and the Father, then we are doing a disservice to the people of God and to the body. If we are not pointing to Yeshua in all of those things, he's the foundation of all of it. And that's what we, and if there's ever been a teacher that has focused too much on the knowledge of those things, and we, then we need to repent of that, and we need to truly return our focus back to our Messiah, Yeshua. And we also have to I, uh, give all honor and reverence to the Holy Spirit in how it leads us, guides us, filling that with our hearts and minds and not our own spirits, our own agendas. All of those things have to be set aside, and they all have to point back to a unified God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all yeah. in one. Brian? I think the answer is in the question. We have to teach that he's the foundation. Mm. Because in our movement, we've gotten backwards, and, and the Torah has almost become an idol at times where we've prioritized that. Colossians 1 says everything was by him, in him, through him, for him. Mm, that's and good. as long as we live in that, and then God's cyclical. The Redeemer came to Egypt, pulled the Israelites out, went through the water, then came the law. And as long as we're still teaching the same thing, Redeemer came into our Egypt, pulled us out of sin, takes us through the water. Then we keep commands because we're saved, not in order to be saved. And I think as long as we can get it right like that from the onset, it's going to take us and build the foundation from there. Yeah. So... <laughs> 
Uh, one of the things that I've really, so I, I've been doing the Messianic Gospel Cycle is what I call it. I've just been really trying to push for a yearly reading of the four Gospels plus the Book of Acts because I think we really need to get back to that as a foundation. And a lot of times we talk about Messiah and we put Messiah into, into the Torah but we don't ever actually go back and see where Messiah is in the gospel and see what was the actual message. We're just going off of what we remember, and we say things like, oh, well, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word is the Torah, and therefore Messiah is the Torah, and, and what does that actually really mean, mm-hmm. right? And then, you know, from, from a lot of our backgrounds, we have been taught to focus on Messiah only as dying for our sins, and, and that's all he came to do. And one of the, the shocking things is when I started reading Matthew's gospel, there was 26 chapters before you get to him dying. <laughs> like, there's a whole lot of other stuff that he did that we have completely ignored. So that's one of the things I, I really feel like we need to get more focusing on. What was he doing in his ministry? What is this kingdom work? So Yeshua teaching Torah, basically. Yeshua being the Torah. Yeshua being all of it. Not just, oh, he came, died for our sins. Yeah, well, that's fantastic, but... There was more to that. Oh, that's a good word, Dr. Jones. So he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, right? And from the beginning, he wanted relationship. I think that's the key. If we keep that first and foremost, everything else flows from that, but we've got to see him first. You know, cultures change, times change, people change the way we think about things. He doesn't. Hmm. And he still wants the same thing he wanted in the beginning, relationship. So if we can get that right, I think everything else will start to fall into place. But that's, that's got to be preeminent. Hmm. That's a good word. Mike? Sorry, Petey. Uh, just a couple thoughts. I mean, this is getting really good. I wish we had all day. But, um, you know, this passion for our first love is so important. You know, we need to reignite this first love, and I think we're doing it uh, right here. But, you know, a child is, a child is obedient out of... I get something, right? I go in the bathroom instead of the house plant and I get a cookie, right? So, and then when you're an adolescent, you're obedient because of fear. If I don't do this, I'm going to get, well, depends on where you're from, a whooping, right? Switch? We had switches in Oregon. All right. But when you're an adult, you love your father and mother, or excuse me, I gave it away. You're obedient to your father and mother out of that love. And so there's that development, but we have to go through the pendulums and are, are we obedient because of fear or obedient because of uh, a getting a reward, a blessing, right? Or is it out of love? And just to kind of prove that, I want to ask you guys real quick, uh, please raise your hand if you came to an understanding of Jesus as the Messiah uh, in a messianic congregation. We got one. We got an anomaly. Yeah, def- definitely an anomaly in the in the Judah family. But uh, yep. raise your hand if you came to an understanding and a saving grace of Jesus, Yeshua the Messiah, in a Christian church. I was a six-year-old Jewish boy who found my way in a Southern Baptist church. That was good food. It was good food. <laughs> and so just to kind of prove that with a show of hands is... We're going through that maturity as a messianic movement. And the pendulum is swinging back to obedience out of love and recognizing our first love, Yeshua the Messiah, who brought us to the Torah in the first place. Mm, that's good. PD? Yeah, awesome. Uh, what, what I would say is, you know, what, the, what Yeshua said is, this is how they will know 
that you are my disciples. By the love that you have for one another. Now, if we look at the, what do you want to call the movement, messianic, okay, all these Torah, it was over movements. What do you think of when you think about that movement? What is, what is the outside world when they look at it? What do they see? What do they think? What, is, what, are, what are we known for? Is it, oh, wow, they have so much love for one another. It's just like, wow, I wish I could love like they do. Why do they love so radically? Is that what, I don't know about you guys, but that's just not what I think when I think of it. And how could we expect the world to see us as his disciples if we don't act according to how he said we should to be identified as his disciples mm, bear fruit yeah yeah that's it Amen. and and so i'm all for keeping the commandments i love that but let's struggle with the greatest <laughs> love the lord your god with all your heart mind soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself but you know we do the first one we say we love god but then we hate our neighbor or, or our brothers mm. and and then we don't love God. Because the one who says, I love God, but hates his brother is a liar. The truth is not in him. Mm. Right? So mm. this is where I believe the Father, he, you know, what's been said is great. Like we've, we've kind of grew, if you will, into this quote-unquote mature state. But I think it's time to take a step back, back to the basics. Uh, because that's what I think has been missed a lot. And then we miss the Messiah in the midst of the knowledge and the stuff that's going on. Oh, I love knowledge. But... If we miss the Messiah and we don't get the gospel in front of people, because that's what this, the raising of hands was shocking, right? One person or so. We need to get the gospel in the, at the forefront because that's what the early church had at the forefront. And that's why they changed entire cities. Mm. And that's what God is calling us to, to change entire cities. This Oklahoma City, every other city in the U.S., the people there, they can have the power of the Holy Spirit in them if they had the faith to say, Lord, we believe this, they can change it all. Mm, Matt? Yeah, I, I, I like that. I think my approach, going back to the original question, would be that a lot of times, I think Ryan said, we go back and we look for Yeshua, Jesus, in the Torah. And when we do that, so often we leave him there. We say like, oh yeah, Jesus is in the Torah. Look at that. That's neat. And we don't go forward. But one of my backgrounds is looking at the literary styles of the Bible and, and the way that it's always written from the very beginning there's this overwhelming expectation of something that's so much greater to come, uh, starting in Genesis, all the way through the Torah, all the way through the Old Testament. So uh, when we go back and we look for Jesus in the Torah, it should always be seeing him in the Torah, but with that expectation that he was going to come. God was going to interact with humanity in a way he never had before. And there were so many people in the first century, so many people in the New Testament that had Torah like we have Torah, but needed so much more. And so we've got to get back to like that importance of what was needed. What was so special about what God did when he interacted with humanity the way he did? It was revolutionary. It turned yeah. people, you know, on their heads. And, and, you know, loving God is not just keeping commandments. We had a discussion about this yesterday. Uh, loving God, keeping the commandments does show love for God, but that is not all. And if all that we think loving God is is a checklist then the world will never see us, like Petey was talking, the world will never see us the way that God, the way that Yeshua intends for us to represent him. Mm. Nathan? For, uh, for me, it's always been, uh, when, I, when I came across in Hebrews, and it says in the volume of its book, it's written of him. And so something that's been for me is just putting on my Jesus lenses through every piece of scripture. It always should be pointing me to who he is, who he was, and who he desires to be in me. And that um, we should be the most fruit-bearing 
loving people. We should carry, we have the answer of spirit and truth. We, we understand the rhythms of the front of the book, but it's all about to get the rhythms of the front of the book in our hearts through Yeshua so that we really can love and we really can walk in joy. We should be the most enticing people in the world. And if we're, and if we're we won't be if we continue to just try to find these two pieces as opposites of Yeshua and, and the Torah, but they, the only reason that the Torah is here is to show us the perfect character of the Father, and the only way that we can have the computing power to, to live this thing out is by the Spirit of Jesus in me. And, and so I feel like that for us, for us, this as a movement, we have the answer. And it is love, joy, peace, temperance, meekness, self-control, unity. And we've got to get to that heart. We should be the most fruit-bearing people. And we only do that when we meditate on who Yeshua is in us mm. and what he wants to do through us and how he wants to transform our lives to love, like had Petey had said. So. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Joshua. Yeah, I like to go off kind of what Matt was talking about. You mentioned that God now has interacted with us different, interacted with the world different than he ever had. Um, Hebrews 1 says that God communicated of old <clears throat> through the prophets and through our fathers, etc. But now he's communicated through a son. And this whole idea, I think we sometimes overlook or have, at least in this movement, because we find our focus and we make things idols. We've made Hebrew language idols, the Torah an idol. Uh, and we're missing this, which is the point of what we're talking about. But uh, Jesus shows up, and in the Sermon on the Mount, <clears throat> he refers to God as Father 17 times. Uh, the very opening line of the Lord's Prayer, which is sitting right there, he calls him Father before he even invokes his divinity. He mm. says, Our Father who is in heaven, mm. our Father who is God, but first our Father. So there's a new relationship. We are God's sons through Jesus. We are adopted. He is the firstborn of creation. We are co-heirs with him. And I think sometimes we're, we almost try to forget that coming into this movement because we find all this other stuff we're, uh, you know, interested in. But man, that's the foundation. Like heirs uh, through Christ because God is now our father. We have a different kind of relationship than, than David or the kings of Israel or the patriarchs had. They had God metaphorically as their father, brought you out of Egypt, my son, whom I mm -hmm. brought out of Egypt. But we're metaphysically God's children. He is literally adopting us uh, into, into his kingdom. And I just think that's, that's awesome. And that's what I've been reading through and thinking of this week, getting pre prepared for this. Yeah, that's good. Matthew? Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, before, uh, before our community came together, uh, I was, uh, I guess, a part of leadership, uh, the leadership team of another community for, uh, that I attended for eight years. And uh, something I look back on is the children's program that we had there. Uh, when the children graduate out of the lower classes into the higher classes, uh, we, we were so proud that the kids could say the Hebrew blessings. Like, they knew them all, you know? Like, even the wine. It was like, yeah, we're going to teach kids, you know, the six-year-olds. Uh, they didn't know who Mary was, though when they graduated. They didn't know. And um, I'm really ashamed <laughs> to have uh, been some type of influence with that. And, uh, and so, you know, it's, it's moving forward uh, as we all learn and fall forward in this journey, in this walk, in this life, pursuing this Heavenly Father that is so full of grace. Um, you know, it's been apparent to me that uh, the entire story of the Old Testament, the story of Israel, is a story about a people, is a story about how the Torah wasn't enough to equip a people to carry out the mission that God gave them to fulfill. And I mean, that's what, that's what Romans 8 says, you know, like 
Torah wasn't enough. The Torah failed not because of its own being, but because of the weakness of the flesh, the weakness of the heart. And Ezekiel talks about the weakness and the absence of the spirit mm-hmm. that does that heart surgery. Because it was never meant to be. It was never meant to be the salvation yep. of the people. Exactly. So when we as a movement, uh, as leaders in the movement, mm-hmm. when we take God and we put God in our box, mm-hmm. not in the role he himself came to fulfill, and when we take his Torah, his words, his feast, and that we put it in our box, and it wasn't meant to be that way. For sure. And then we wonder why it doesn't work. Well, we don't have joy, peace, patience, temperance. Why we don't see the fruit. But like, it wasn't God. Yeah. It wasn't anything he did. No, it's not us. at all. And Paul continues. He says, but God fulfilled this through his son. God fulfilled this by sending the king. God fulfilled this by sending the Torah teacher that will teach us how to keep Torah. And that's been revolutionary in our community because uh, when we first started out, it was like we need to orbit around this uh, this thing of the Torah, uh, and now we've we've been able to learn and refocus and say, you know what, like Christ means King, Messiah means King. Why, why don't we orbit around the King that teaches us the proper way to keep Torah? Mm. Uh, and that's the Sermon on the Mount. That's the yeah. whole. That's yep. the whole thing uh, is walking forward Torah, walking Torah out in the world in a way that Yeshua taught it, and that's been revolutionary uh, for our community for sure. It's been an incredible transformation. John, John, what do you got on that? Shabbat Shalom, everybody. <laughs> My thing is, how many of y'all are, would consider yourself to be like a first-generation Torah Trail pioneer in your family or whatever? Could you raise your hands? You weren't raised this way necessarily. You found, like, yeah, you were. Okay. But you were still kind of first-generation. <laughs> you're second-generation, bro. <laughs> and I think the thing is, it's understandable why this movement and I've been in it for 30-something years now, but it's understandable why there has been this fixation on the Torah, the prophecies, the nitty-gritty of the Old Testament, and at times, kind of the natural inclination to ignore and dismiss the New Testament or the Gospels and other things, because that's what we already thought we knew. (laughs) And all the other stuff was brand new to so many people. And so we look at it and we're like, wow, there are all these Torah commandments in Israel and prophecy and all this stuff make, makes sense for the first time. And so we're naturally fixated on it. But just because we have that natural inclination, we have to be careful to understand that those are things we should have already known. <laughs> mm. You know, the Old Testament, the Torah, like that is the foundation. Everybody in Jesus's time who was Jewish already knew those things. That's not the point. The point of it is Yeshua. And ultimately, you know, we're called to go from the, the milk to the meat. And I think as Messianics, you know, I've been in a lot of congregations and services over the years, and people are like, yeah, we're going back to the meat. We're going back to the Torah. Wrong. <laughs> the Torah is the easy part to digest. It's really easy to read the Torah, and it says, do not kill somebody. And then live. Mm. you could easily yep. live your whole life and never kill anybody. You know, I, the thought has never once crossed my mind to kill someone. What's much harder to digest, the harder part to incorporate into your life, is the, you can't even hate people. You have to actually forgive everyone. You have to actually love Mm. your enemies. That's the meat that we're called to move on to, and that's what Yeshua gave to us. And I think we have to understand that that was, the point of it all was building up to him. And then from him, we have the foundation through which everything else is manifested. And even with that, like, I am not a smart man. but I am a critical one. And I think it's so utterly important for us to realize why we have the Old Testament and why the Old Testament is foundational and why it is true. 
even just from a logical perspective. And it is because of Yeshua. The Torah was written, you know, over centuries. It was compiled by multiple people, scribes, and other people had carried it on. The only way that we know that that book has any sort of credibility is not because it exists. There are a lot of old books in the world. We know that that book, that those books have credibility and that they are alive and well and for our good and things that we should live according to because that was the Bible Yeshua had. Mm-hmm. That was the Bible Yeshua taught from. The only reason that we favor the Torah as inspired and as scripture is because that's what Yeshua said it was. We can prove Yeshua was a real human. There's no historian yep. on earth who doesn't believe that he actually exists on this earth. We can prove that he was resurrected. You know, there's even Roman writings that talk about these things. And from that, we can go back and say, yes, the Torah is true. The Torah is foundational. The stories that are in there are true, not because they were just written by scribes, but because they were Yeshua's Bible. They were the apostles' Bible. And so we have to understand that the only reason, really, you know, from a salvation perspective, from a logical perspective, that we do have a foundation in the Torah is not from the Torah itself. It's from Yeshua. Mm. Yep. And that's the perspective through which we should be evaluating these things. Our, our gospel allegiance. David? Well, I think in order to really grasp how Yeshua impacts us and how he's going to change us, because if, if Yeshua doesn't change you, then he's got no value. And I mean, that's actually very, very prominent in the gospels. In First John chapter 3, that's what it talks about. You know, if, if you accept the substance of Yeshua, he becomes you. Your substance is him and the people of God versus the people of the world. And so if you want to understand his impact on our lives and how he changes us, then you have to focus on what's important to him. What, what drove him to do what he did? And it's because he cares about everyone. Mm-hmm. We, are, we are the value to him. So in this world that we live in today, where cancel culture is a thing, and I, I don't say that you know targeting one group, but the, the simple fact is that if someone doesn't agree with you or someone seems valueless to you, they are valueless. You mm-hmm. devalue your fellow human being. And the complete opposite exists in Yeshua, that every person is valued because God put an inherent value in them. Yep. And so yep. when, when I, I look at how Yeshua operated, he, he didn't pull punches. He operated with a one-two punch every time. It was exactly this process. He criticized justifiably, and then he rewarded without justification. And so when you look at how he processed and how he operated and how he did everything that we do, he told us he followed. That is how he operated. He followed the word of the God of, of the Creator of the universe, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, his father. He, he followed all that instructions, and he was telling people that he was doing as his father did. Everybody talks about leadership, and we've had this discussion. Yeah. I, I am dumbfounded as why any of us would want to be leaders. I want to be a follower as he was a follower. Amen. And I see Amen. up here a whole bunch of followers, and I'm proud to be a part of this. Yes. You know. Amen. Daniel. So... <clears throat> I get to go last, which means everyone said everything I was going to say. But um, there's there's one thing that um, John touched on that I'm going to talk about here. So the Torah is awesome. It's wonderful. 
Like it gives us structure, it gives us rules, it gives us the ability to, to receive blessing through obedience, which is amazing. But all of that pales in comparison to the fact that Yeshua conquered death and the grave and arose from the tomb. And because he arose from the tomb and because he conquered death, I have a promise and a hope that he will raise me when I die as well. And, and if we're not... If we're not focused on that, if we are instead focused on a list of rules, which are amazing in and of themselves, but if we lose focus on the fact that we have a hope in a resurrection that is far greater than what the Torah offers, then, then we're, we're pointed in the wrong direction. And so our focus always has to be that, yes, this is what we do when we follow the one who went before us. And if we call ourselves his disciples, we will walk in his ways. But ultimately, there's something much greater. And that is the promise that we will be in his kingdom, not because we follow this, but because he was good enough to raise us to join him. Let me ask a question of, of, of the whole panel here. And I mean, if you want to each individually answer, that's totally fine. Um, if you want to just say it out as a whole, um, we'll see if we all agree. I don't know. I'm going to put us all on the spot here. Who was the greatest Torah teacher to ever live? Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeshua? Jesus. 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 <laughs> you can say Jesus here. It's, it's fine. It's, it's not a false god. It's an English translation. Don't believe that. So... Jesus was the greatest Torah teacher. We're all in agreement on that. Still is. I like that, Mike. I like that. He still is the greatest Torah teacher ever. Okay, fantastic. So in our services, in our conferences, in, in our own studies, we should study the Tanakh. But we should also study the greatest Torah teacher who taught us the Tanakh. Right? So again, it's not about one being one being bad or wrong or whatever. It's about finding that balance. You know, a couple of the guys here have talked about the fruit, the fruit of the walk. If we're not seeing the fruit of the walk, then something we're doing as pastors, teachers, evangelists, apostles, whatever your, your gifting is, something we're doing is out of alignment. Nathan, you talk a lot about the rhythms and the cycles. Well, our rhythm is like we got a cylinder bad right now. The engine's still running. There's, it's still getting us to places, but we're not, we're not fully in. Amen. We're not fully in allegiance to Yeshua. Yet, we're getting there. We're a journey. We're a path. Like John said, where he had everybody hold up their hands at the first generation. It's amazing that the, the online audience can't see that. But everybody in here, with the exception of, of Ann Stropes and Ephraim Judah, uh, I believe were first generation Sabbath keeping, Torah keeping individuals. Which means... We're cutting our teeth. We're cutting our teeth right now. And guess what? When you're the first generation, when you're the first people doing these types of things in your family, in your life, in your marriage, in your home, we are going to stumble and we're going to have some problems. The key is that we always continue to go. Fall forward. Fall forward. I love that phrase, man. I got a lot of one-liners. I'm going to work into some teachings here. You guys are great. <laughs> Fall forward into Messiah so that he can help us bear good fruit. So 
as we see that as a, I mean, obviously we all talked about our various ministries and where we're from and, you know, we're all getting some of us. This is the first time we've ever gotten a chance to sit together, meet each other, whatever. Um, you know, I Facebook stock most of you guys for many years. Um, and so, you know, it is my first time to get to meet some of you. But uh, I, I'm really encouraged by the fact that we did not get a chance to sit and dialogue all together before we got up here. And so what you're seeing, honestly, this is, this is first. Some of us have talked, some of us have met, we're friends, some of the people go way back, whatever. But as a collective body here today, this isn't practice, this wasn't stage. This, this was a trusting that the Holy Spirit was doing something different in each and every one of our hearts and each and every one of our lives and even in private conversations. And we just wanted to come together and we just wanted to talk about Yeshua. And I had no idea in that that there would be so much commonality amongst all the, the diversity of the leaders that are here. And so if there's anything that you can take from today there's a lot of great one-liners it's going to be online for you to go back and watch and and review and share with your friends if there's anything we can take from this it is that the torah was never meant to be interpreted by us without yeshua amen it never was yeshua was always to be our interpretation the father god himself was to be our lens our interpretation and we get in trouble when we try to go in and put our flesh, our will, our desire into the commandments of God. And I think, you know, you can stone me if you want. David actually carries a stone. Um, you can stone me if you want. But I think it's safe to say that we're all starting to realize that <laughs> Vanderels is asking for it. Vanderels do it too. It's safe in saying that we all feel like we're making adjustments right now because we want to see better fruit. We want our trees to be better. We want to see more disciples. We want to be better disciples, to David's point earlier. We want to be better disciples as a whole. Am I wrong? Uh, yeah, I'm wrong. Nathan's like, yeah, you're wrong. No, you're in agreement. I know, I know. You just got a big smile, so I just had to call you out on it because you're always happy and joyous. With, with all of us who have committed our lives to doing ministry to, to some degree, to some extent, whether it's serving in our fellowships or congregations, we as ministers do have a responsibility to be showing the love of God through everything that we do. And when you have mm -hmm. leaders and teachers that you don't sense the love, you don't sense the spirit in things, then, then something's wrong. Um, if we're not, I, I loved what, what Daniel here said, where it's like, if we're not pointing to the hope of the future, to mm. have this positive outlook on things, and if we just get consumed with the negativity, whether it's the, the judgments of God or the so interpretations of knowledge. So you're telling me the hope isn't in Donald Trump or Joe Biden? No, the hope is not in any man. So where, other than, where's the hope then? The hope is, of course, in the Lord. The oh, hope, where, where's the hope again? The hope is in the Lord. Where is the hope again? Hope is in the Lord. Okay, so Yeshua, it's not in Trump, Father. it's not in Biden. That's it's, correct. Okay, it's in, it's in the Lord. Yes. Okay, fantastic. And I just clarified. For, for a positive outlook on things, to be an, an optimist, to teach people, because so many people are struggling in their life, whether mm. they're struggling from any degree of uh, de depression, anxiety, or any spirit that is, that is bringing them down, there is nowhere to go but up when you are here on earth, when we are living in these mortal vessels that we're, that we're traveling around in these earth suits, there's nowhere to go but up. 
And we Are need to be rapture. No, I'm not talking about the rapture, okay. but we as ministers, as teachers need to be pointing to the one who is greater than us, the one who is higher than us. And we get to share the amazing message of the fact that the God, the creator of heaven and earth desires to dwell with us, to be mm. in covenant with us. Just like, just like David was saying, it's all about relationship. It's all about having a relationship with God. He created mankind from himself to be a part of his family, created in his image. Our sin, our uncleanness, of course, drove us away from the presence of God, made us unworthy of the presence of God. And the whole plan, the purpose from the garden for us should be to get back to the garden, to get back to the presence of God. And to do so, we must love well. We must share the love of God for God is love, and if we're not showing that, then we're far from God. Again, full 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 panel here, real quick. I know we're we're running long, but uh, Just keep do you believe do you believe that God's still moving right now? Oh yeah. oh yeah. Okay, so again, we agree. God is still moving. He's still working. He's still alive. He's still very much present in our midst. Okay. Once again, that's a second thing that we publicly agree on. Do you believe right now where relationships and hope and, and people are really struggling? We've seen the last couple of weeks, people are really struggling. Not even the Messianic movement, just in America in general. People are struggling. Their hope is gone. It's gone. Why? Because their hope was in misplaced, like you were saying. Relationships are gone. They're destroying relationships. They're destroying relationships with their families. And that. Do you believe... That we have to turn our focus and our hope back on the fact that we need to grow in our relationship and hope in the fact that Yeshua is the only solution. God is the only solution for the relationship issues, the hope that we see, the lack of hope that we see. We agree on that, right? That's three things we agree on. So, as much as we don't know as teachers, as pastors, as individuals, We find confidence in Yeshua, right? Yep. In the Lord. Yep. And we find hope in the Lord. David, you have something you're going to say? Yeah. Um, you know, Psalm says that Israel knew God's deeds, but Moses knew his ways. Well, Yeshua came to show us how we could each have that relationship. Mm. That not just to look to the Father, but now we got to go down to his people. Yeah. And point them back up as well. So. A lot of times when we, when we look to the Father, we look to Yeshua, we forget about each other. And if we're doing that right, if we're looking to Yeshua, he's going to remind us, this is what I'm telling you to look at joint to the Father, but guess what? You're a family. Mm -hmm. And so because he is your father, you have siblings. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and he's showing us how to walk that together. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's something you know, we can't forget. When we're following him, we gotta lock arms with one another. Yeah. We get to be sons of the living God through our shared faith in the Messiah, and that's completely regardless of what your heritage is, what your last name is, what the color of your skin is, any of that. We all get to be a part of that family, and that's the true adoption of sons. That's what that, we, that, we get to be in the family of God. That's easy you to say, you're Ephraim and Judah, two sticks in one hand. That doesn't make me any better two than anybody else. Two sticks in one body. I'm saying, like, you are like the fulfillment of Ezekiel 37 sitting right here in the flesh. I just got to, I can pick on him because he's my brother. Can I jump John. in real quick? Yeah. Um, the thing about all of this stuff, and I think it's easy to look at it, you know, the last 30-something years and look at it and look at all the division and the lack of fruit, you know. Define lack of fruit. You know, there's, there's plenty of fruit. 
Um, it just depends on what fruit you're evaluating. <laughs> um, but the, the thing is, we are called, as, as David said, we're all brothers and sisters here. We are all supposed to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. If we are all priests, every man, woman, and child is a priest. That means we are called to serve the Lord and to serve one another. Amen. And so when we have congregations, when we have ministries and gatherings and fellowships, and even just your interactions with your friends and family and coworkers, it's up to all of us to bear that fruit. We can't just point to whoever's on a stage or whoever's written a book or runs an organization or hosts a conference or whatever and put the blame on them for saying that they somehow have failed us over the years mm-hmm. because it's not true. If there has been any failure, it's been all of us. Oh, if there have yeah. been successes, Amen. and I sincerely believe that Amen. there are, that's also to our credit. But I, I think it's easy to point the finger and just to say like, this is where the Messian, you know, if the Messianic movement hadn't done this in 1995, then like we would be in a better place to, or, or whatever. And it, <laughs> we were children then. We don't have to take blame for that. But, but the thing is, it's, we have to understand that we are all called to it. And even in scripture where it talks, you know, oftentimes when the elders and the leaders of Israel were condemned, Yahweh faulted the people. He said mm-hmm. they prophesied falsely because you encouraged them to. They worshiped other gods that you had them build for them, you know. And sure, there is a responsibility of leadership, but I think all of us need to step up and take on that radical responsibility of saying, if we are going to be the type of people who showcase love and you know, peace, love, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, we need to make that extremely demonstrative at every moment of our lives. Amen. We should not have any problem turning to people in our congregations and our fellowships and our families and saying, I sincerely love you. I hope you know that before you leave today that you are absolutely loved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to have that sort of compassion and the unity, that, and it has to come from the grassroots up. I don't think we're ever going to get it from the top down. Oh. This is good. Mike. This is really good. Um, I want to read a verse out of the Bible. Is that okay? Sure. You guys do that here? Yeah, we do read out of the Bible. I'm just checking. Yeah. I want to you know, from John on. John, from skip Revelation. <laughs> um, you know... I know better than most, you know, to, in pursuance of ancient ways and, and even looking into modern Judaism, different things for pursuit of righteousness. But, but I have a challenge for us as leaders um, and also to recognize we are servants. You know, I love that. I love that we are the shepherd's staff. You know, what does that mean? We are the staff of the shepherd, right? We, we, we work for Yeshua. If you work for Yeshua and you're not doing his will, then you really, you suck. You're going to get fired, Right. But here's the reality is there was a very famous rabbi named Rav Hillel. Rav Hillel. Anybody heard of him? Back in the day. Insanely astute. Well known all over the Middle East. And he had this protege, Rav Gamliel. And Gamliel became the most well known rabbi in his time. And he had a protege named Rav Shaul. Paul. And Paul wrote something. And this is the challenge. You guys ready? Had your coffee today? For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew and also to the Greek. Will we continue to be ashamed of the gospel? Come on. We want to love the world. What does the world need right now? 
The world needs gospel. The world needs Yeshua more than it needs to quit having bacon cheeseburgers. The world needs a rabbi. The world needs Yeshua. Let's unashamedly bring Yeshua to this hurting world. That's my challenge. I'm it's to, a daily decision. Stand up on that with you. I'll take that challenge. We need that more than ever. I agree with you. Well, I mean, I'll take that that mantle. Ultimately, and by the way, you're the bane of every sound person in here in the world because you, you <laughs> changed that volume. But anyway, so he pulled a Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> but ultimately, as I as I pointed out, if if Yeshua isn't changing you, it really has no value. You know, so ultimately we have to ask ourselves, what are we transitioning to? To what end are we doing all this stuff? Because if you're just if you're just enriching yourself so that you can take the talent that you've been given and hide off into a corner somewhere, mm-hmm. well, we've heard the parable of the talents. Correct. You know, and so are you so, burying it? Is it falling on bad soil, or are you taking yours and working together with another brother to multiply the kingdom? Well, yep. if you want. The Father, if you want Yeshua to fill your cup and have it overflow, then you certainly need to put yourself in a position for your overflow to overflow others. Mm-hmm. And so, so ultimately, when we ask the to what question, because people can scream, you need a change, you need this, you need that, you need that. But if you build a bridge to nowhere, if you don't have a plan of action to achieve a goal, then literally you get a whole bunch of fervor and pin up aggression, and that's how bad unplanned events happen. <laughs> Quite yeah, we've, we've seen some of those recently. Oh, we've seen some of those historically. I mean, <laughs> so, 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 I mean, it's not the first time it's happened. And it's not going to be the last, more than likely. I would like it to have been the last. Yeah. But what I would like to focus on is that his character, his substance, his nature, everything that he's about leads us to, even if we don't know what we're building, if we build what is in front of us, we prepare the breaches and the walls that are right where we are, right where mm. we've been placed. If we plant where we are and we start growing, the kingdom will grow, and we won't know the plan, the architecture thereof, because he knows the outcome. We've got to let go. We've got to let go of our control. We've got to humble ourselves and submit ourselves to Yeshua, to the Holy Spirit. That's pretty hard to do as a man. I mean, like, I mean I'll be honest with you. I'll, I'll go ahead and step out and say i got some pride and arrogance issues. I mean, anybody watching online who knows me knows I do, so... We'll be transparent with that. So, right, Daniel? <laughs> but we have to change ourselves, our hearts. We have to allow Yeshua to come and work inside of us. We have to be fully sold out to allegiance to Christ and His kingdom, right. not our own. Absolutely. PD, and I'm going to hit Josh. Yeah, and I think the question is, so how do we do that practically? You know, it's, we can read what the scripture says. This is the fruits of the Spirit, okay? And we can audit ourselves with that knowledge that's very powerful. But then if I realize there's a lack of this and this and this, the lack of the fruits of the Spirit, how do I walk in the Spirit? How do I return to that? You know, it's interesting. We, we think about love because that's the big thing, right? We think of... Uh, a romantic movie. We think of the, about these feelings that we feel, and we're, we're hoping for ourselves to get to this place of to feel this love towards a different person so I can get, if I get there, I can then do the action of love. But it's backwards. Love is, you do, Yeshua says, love your enemies. Well, I don't even like my enemy. How am I supposed to love them? That doesn't make any sense until you realize that love is the act, action. So when you go forth and you do the action, 
The Holy Spirit comes up moment and he fills your cup and then you feel this thing you've been yearning, but you don't feel it until you make a sacrifice, until you step out, until you humble yourself and get to that place. That's where we need to go. So practically, you know, we need to love each other and in, in our congregations and as leaders and whatever. But then also we talked about the gospel so eloquently, how that needs to go out. So when you go to your, uh, most of us fill our car, and uh, when you're there, are you, are you there? Are you present with the Lord? Or are you present with yourself? Are you present with what you're busy with in your inward thinkings? Or are you thinking about the Lord's gospel and kingdom in that mm. moment? Because that's what I believe Yeshua was doing all the time. And so then I'm, I'm thinking, I, I'm be, I need to be like, Lord, what do you want me to do here? There's a guy right next to me. I don't know who he is. I know where he's from. Is there anything you want me to do right now? And if he doesn't say anything, I go and I ask him, Lord, uh, sir, can I fill up your tank for you? In the name of Yeshua, he gave for me and I'm giving to you just as a picture of what he did for me and you. You see, just a simple example, little things. Servanthood. Yes. Loving, loving Amen. well. Amen. Loving well. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's amazing. You know, how many times do we pray for the opportunity to, to bless another person or to minister to another person, and we're standing at the gas station, we're standing in a line at, at the grocery store, um, you know, whatever, and we completely miss the opportunity that God put in front of us because, you know, our phones or whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, that's a good word. Joshua. Yeah, uh, I would like to add to, I think you said something about the substance of who Jesus is, and uh, I don't know that we've actually directly even mentioned that, that I think to be a good evangelical pastor, leader, servant, elder, we also have to recognize true things about Jesus too, and that is mm. affirming that he is 100% God, he is divine. And because I've seen a lot of people within this movement start to deny that. It, it's a slippery slope. Uh, they try to start saying that, the, that Jesus is the Torah made flesh, John 1.1, 1, 1, uh, to reinterpret Logos there in a, in a different way than I believe John is trying to portray. And I've seen that slip so far. People start denying the blood, start denying the, the way to salvation. And, and, and I hope that we're in unity in that, that we believe that he is... He is God in the flesh. He is divine. He is all-powerful. Amen. The content of Amen. Him is, is well beyond anything that we could ever Amen. have or that God could enclose within man just the commandments of right. his, who, own, his own who mouth. Who do we he think is, we are, right? He, who do we is. think we are to tell God who He is or what He came right, to? Right, exactly. Who do we think we are? Exactly. The I, I want to be like Thomas who, who looked at Him and be like, my Lord and my God, mm. right there. That there is nothing else beyond you that is anything better in the world that I could possibly have. And from that foundation of being in relationship with him, co-heirs, as we keep repeating, uh, through Christ, but knowing that, God, that Christ is God. He is our God who is empowering us and put his spirit within us. Uh, so I don't want to forget that. I'm, I'm mm, hoping glad that we're in unity on that. Yeah, that's um, good. Brian. Well, and you said earlier, you know, the arrogance, and we have to humble ourselves. Well, part of that, and, and I know because of the sake of the panel we're saying it, but as messianics, we have this we. Hmm. We're not a new entity. No. You know, John said it, we, there's been fruit forever. Yes, right? there has since Acts. You know, <laughs> this thing called the church, you know, heaven forbid we use that word or we call ourselves Christians. But Welcome to church this been, morning. Right, this thing's been going on forever. And we need to look if the descendants of Abraham are going to number like the sand of the sea, we're poised to lead from the middle. We, we've got our brother Judah who has the Torah, loves the Torah, and we do too. And then we have our brother on Sunday who knows Jesus, loves Jesus, and we do too. And instead of making ourselves the center and pulling both with us, we keep out of arrogance creating this third entity 
that here we are as messianics, ooh, look at us, or really, please don't look at us, go somewhere else, you'll find better, because we haven't gotten it together. When in reality, we are poised. We're the ones that the devil hates. We're the ones that hold to the commands and have our testimony. We're literally the ones that the devil hates. And this is what's been needed for far too long to stop looking at ourselves so high and loftily like some movement that, you know, was God ordained above all others. We've got brothers that met today in a synagogue and we've got brothers that will meet tomorrow in a church. And if we can be the force that brings a God to the kingdom, mm. then we're going to yeah. accomplish something. Yeah. Right. So just kind of drawing on uh, several of, of everyone's up here. I just kind of felt this, uh, the, the, the word was goal. We, we talked about what's the goal. And uh, there was a, just a phenomenal book I read called The Goal um, on process management, Lean Sigma 6, all this stuff. And this is something that, that factories have finally realized is they, they've been too focused on productivity and on all these numbers are people being efficient and productivity and they forgot what the goal. What's the goal of a factory? It's not to produce stuff, it's to make money. Mm-hmm. And when you you have that goal in mind and everything you do is working towards the goal and everything that's not moving you towards that goal is waste, then you can actually have productivity and make money. And, and these, this is how successful factories, that's what we as believers need as well. We need to define what is the goal. What is the goal? Is the goal to go back to Mount Sinai to live in the desert with Moses? Or is the goal the new heavens, the new earth, the, the, the return to the Garden of Eden, to be like Yeshua. Mm. If we can sit down and determine what is the goal of all of this, then we can start to say, is what we are doing, is this, is, is, is this commandment, the way that we are keeping it, is it moving us towards the goal? Because the whole of the Bible is a trajectory. And this is what I've kind of gathered from everyone up here. We all seem to have this in mind. You started at Sinai, but that wasn't the goal. The goal was to get to Yeshua. And Yeshua said, we're going to do greater things than these. So there's a, there's a continual upward movement. And yet, a lot of times, we're just, we're just talking about how do we get back into the wilderness. We're trying to, yeah, we're yeah. trying to go back we're, to that point. We're not even we're trying to go to the to promised land. We're just trying to go back into the wilderness. If we could just get to that, to that greater exodus, if we could just get to that right now, then, then well, we saw in the wilderness, we had to get back. The Lord had to cleanse. And maybe we're in a season right now where, where we actually are in the wilderness. We actually are being cleansed. We actually are being refined. Nathan. I think, Ron, with that, that goal for, for me, I thought, is when we always see when Yeshua, Jesus was saying, repent for the, the kingdom of God is at hand. It's, it was always this kingdom mentality and something for, for, for my family and, and us. Like this message isn't exclusive. It's really supposed to be inclusive, that none mm. should perish, that all should Ooh. have everlasting life. Amen. Like this movement shouldn't be us excluding and hiding in our corners, but we have the answer. Jesus says, and he's given us instructions so we can walk in protection and blessing. Like the, the world is prime. The enemy, I believe, has lost containment of the message of spirit and truth. And we've just got to boldly begin to, to love the heck out of people and, and, and not try to throw dirty, rotten fruit at people and stone people, but just love them and always have that spirit of grace to understand that there's never a wrong time to do what's right. 
There's never a wrong time when you're saying, God, what do you want to use me today? Well, the person you're passing by, the person in your street, we did a thing when I used to say, just wiggle, right? Just bear the fruit of the spirit. You're the worm yeah. on that hook, man. Just wiggle yeah. in love. There's never a wrong time. For me, that's the, the goal of this is that the kingdom is at hand and that none should perish. We're so busy of hiding and pointing out everyone's flaws instead of seeing the beauty in people and just pointing them to that only God can save, though, through Christ, through mm -hmm. Yeshua. John. I think ultimately, just to agree with that, we have to understand that the purpose of all of this stuff, the purpose of the tabernacle, the purpose of the feast, the purpose of the covenants and the commandments and all these things is unity. Ultimately, it's unity between humanity and God. But if that unity does not exist within us, we're not going to get there either. So mm. I think we have to get to the point where we understand and not, not just that, you know, I'm not talking about some empty Joe Biden unity speech like you know like I'm talking about actual unity to where we actually have each other's backs we are willing to make sacrifices on behalf of one another accountability and that we actually yeah. sincerely love and want the best for one another and I think probably if anything and it's a symptom of people's hurt it's a symptom of people's pain their traumas the experiences that they've had growing up and the church and everywhere else I think it's that that is the one thing that if we could understand and actually elevate it to the point of it being a true value of ours, that would change everything. And because mm. we look at so many things and we're like, you know, look around. It's not just a messianic problem. It's not just even an American problem. It's everywhere. Human heart problem. But we yeah. define ourselves by who we're not. We define ourselves by all the things that are different and the way in which we're, I'm a Republican because I'm not a Democrat. You know, that kind of attitude and it pervades our churches and everything else. We have to stand up and just reject it. We have to consciously make the decision to say, I am not going to do that. And there are things that should unite us as messianics and as believers and Hebraic followers of Yeshua. We have to understand what is the cornerstone of our salvation? What is, what is the litmus test for salvation? You know, profess with your mouth, <laughs> repent of your sins, be baptized. You know, the list is pretty short for the things that should really qualify someone to be a believer. And once someone is a believer, we have an obligation to unite. The call of the Passover lamb, the qualification for the Passover lamb, the qualification for our Messiah is that it, the body has to be unbroken. We are supposed to be that unbroken body. And I think we see that lived out in Yeshua's time. He, you know, we get offended and we're like, well, I can't go to that synagogue. They don't believe I'm actually Israel or they don't believe in the feasts, or they all go out to pork barbecue after the service. Or, you know, and we nitpick on all these little things, and I'm not saying that those things are not important. But Yeshua gave us the example. He literally went into synagogues knowing that the people there wanted him dead. Mm, that's a good that word. he would be attempted to be stoned before he left. The apostles, they went into synagogues knowing that these were God's people, and that they had a call to be unified with these people, knowing that the people hated them, that the people thought that they were heretics, that the people would turn against them, deliver them up for torture and persecution and everything else, and they still chose to be unified anyway. Yeah. And I think those are the examples that we need to have where we don't say, I can't go to that church or be at that congregation or experience those things because of our differences, but instead say, yeah, there are differences. The differences are real. We're not going to diminish that. 
but we are choosing to be united with you regardless. Amen. Because I know you are in the body. I know I am in the body. And we share in this covenant together. Yeah, Matt. Yeah, I think uh, exclusive. Someone said exclusivity was like one of the worst things that they dealt with in the first century. It's largely one of the greatest topics in the, New, in the New Testament that Yeshua and Paul had to deal with was this boundary set up between what it took to become a member of the kingdom. And the majority of first century Pharisees put this wall up so deep that nobody could cross it. And we as a movement have run close to becoming 21st century Pharisees and placing a wall up against our, so I would encourage uh, one thing that we've done in our community is reach out. I know your community here, at least uh, from HFF, reach out to other churches of other denominations. I take part of Episcopal Bible studies, uh, two Baptist Bible studies, uh, Church of Christ Bible study. Matthew Vanderels even joins online with the Episcopal Bible study that takes place in a bar. Um, and, And one thing, one guy called me from the Baptist Bible study the other day, we're going through Genesis and he said, Matt, and I'm very, to give you some background, I'm very uh, not agenda driven in these Bible studies. I don't try to force tour on them. I want to open up the beauty of God's word and he'll speak to them. He said, Matt, I found this thing online. It's called the Messianic Movement. <laughs> and I think, it's, I think it's like where we need to be. <laughs> I think that if we could be part of the Messianic Movement, it would explode and change the world like Yeshua, like Jesus intended. And I'm like, man, let me tell you a little no bit way. about my background. And then I felt so horrible because his expectation fell. Yeah. His expectation fell. I think that one thing I'm encouraged by everybody up here, I'm uh, part of my background. I'm still on active duty. I'm active duty military. Chris Knight's back there doing push-ups for me right now. Um, uh, there you go. Um, we have a thing. We're big on leadership. And we have a phrase that some of us use. It says, if your soldiers do something right, it's their fault. So like if you, everyone here in the body, if you do something right, it's your fault. It, you have done what's right. You have taken the initiative to do what's good for the kingdom of God. But if you've done something wrong, then it's our fault. Mm. Because we have not equipped you and prepared you and given you the resources, the tools, the bullets necessary to go out there and wage war for God's kingdom. Mm. So I'm just encouraged to be on the stage with a group of leaders that say, we acknowledge that the things that we've done wrong in our past in this movement, it's our fault. And we're here to try to change that, that tide and say, let's refocus on what our true goal and mission is. Yeah. Hold on one second. David's been waiting patiently. No, no. And, and, and it's ahead, fine. Ahead, I think that, that God has a pretty good timing on this. It's <laughs> probably better that everybody go in the order that they're, that they're just being called on. Because when you want to look at what God's target is, the single thread that unifies the entire Bible is one concept. That his hope is that all of his creation will be restored back to him. I mean, that, that is the, the one sheep that's gone astray. He will celebrate that one more than the 99 there in the pen. That is the heart of the Father in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And so when you take a look at what, what our goal is, what our hope, what our heart is, and what he's talking about specifically about how uh, leadership, if we fail, it's our fault. Spurgeon said this. He said, if sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with their arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, then let, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions, and let not one go unwarned and one go unprayed for. Amen. And mm. so when, yeah. when, when you take a look at this conceptualization of, of what are we trying to do, all we're trying to do is the best we can. Because if we truly trust in him, he's equipped us already. We don't need yeah. to go out and buy more swords. 
And I mean, I, I, I sometimes get shocked at how I've heard people take that as like, see, you've got to arm yourself because God said, go buy more sports. He literally said, well, we've got enough money here. We can go buy a couple of swords, you know? And, and he, he's mm -hmm. like, it's enough. I picture Yeshua saying, it's enough and walking away, rolling his eyes. Are you serious, guys? <laughs> you know, it's like, but, but I mean, it, it's, it, it, he talks about, you know, be a vapor. And, and if, he, if he equipped the birds, if he, if he clothed them, how much more so is he going to clothe you? Mm, I mean, yep. this, this concept of we are enough. All we have to do is show up. He's already done the work in us. He's already done the groundwork. He's already got the architecture, the yep. plan. And so, so all we have to do is be willing participants in his plan. Mm, that's good. Ephraim. There's two words that everybody here on this stage has said. Now, one of them is Yeshua or Jesus. We've all, you know, confessed that. The other thing that every person has said is we. We. We as a people, we as a body, we need to be unified together to serve the kingdom, to be the body of Messiah. Just as God is one and whole and is undivided, we as the body of Messiah also need to be undivided. undivided. We have to have that unity. Um, Serrano started with talking about we. I'm going to actually steal a little bit of something I heard David Jones teach. When it says the children of Israel, when they were standing at the base of Mount Sinai and they said, whatever God has said, we will do. That we is a singular we. It is a unified we that every single person has to come together to be that body and to keep Torah. One person can't keep Torah at all. Can't, can't keep the whole Torah because the Torah is given to a body of people. A man can't keep the commandments for a woman. A non-priest can't keep the commandments for a priest. But a we as a body, a singular unified one, as God is one, we need to join together arm in arm, hand in hand, and serve the Lord and come back into the relationship with God who created us as uh, Altman just said that we, the whole point of everything is so that we might be restored back to the Father, where we came from, who we were, we were created from. And then that is the goal, that's the job, that's the task for us as ministers to join together. And I hope that this you know, collective group that we have before us that's certainly not comprehensive by any stretch of the imagination, that we are working toward becoming that unified, singular we, just as God is a singular, singular unified one made up of parts and made up of separate, Dr. separate Jones. things. You know, uh, Yeshua said the fields are ready, but the laborers are few. That few can also imply not equipped. Uh, but yet we are equipped. So what does that mean? Uh, I believe it means we are equipped together as a body. He's given us everything we need when we come together. Mm -hmm. And that, that is when we start to learn to, to walk as he has told us to, is, is to show the heart to it. How can we show the love of the Father to somebody else if we don't have are around anybody else? Yeah, that makes you know, sense. We have yeah. to be part of that. Kind of hard to show that. Josh? Uh, I just also wanted to say real fast that I have been blessed this morning because I felt like this was a very unified time together, not just the panel, but the worship today too. Man, I, I really feel like this is a unified body and uh and i can feel that and i know that based upon what we've been talking about it's because our main foundation is jesus like going back to all of this like that's that's what that that's how it displays and it's and it's uh imagined is 
worship together corporately, learning, talking, sitting, talking about God, and having this time together as sons and daughters who might have socioeconomic differences, racial differences, geographical differences, but we're all together in one. So I just wanted to yeah, it might have something to do with our triune leadership at HFF. So as Ephraim gets ready to do the, uh, the ironic blessing to close us out, and we've gone extremely over today, and so we could be here all day. We actually will be here all day. Uh, but uh, I really do appreciate all of you. I know Daniel and Ephraim, well, I mean, we, we love you guys. You're an amazing church, an amazing body, the online people as well. And I know there's people who are watching for the first time. Um, and so thank you for doing that. Thank you to every single one of you guys. Um, some of you guys I've known for a long time. Some of you I've known, you know, for a short time. A lot of you have been in my home. Um, and so I just, uh, I appreciate you coming and hanging out with Daniel and Ephraim and myself and getting a chance to talk about uh, the movement, getting a chance to talk about uh, our, our direction, um, areas that we need to improve in, in our position so that we can affect a positive change uh, in the body as a whole and inside ourselves. And so I, we, from the bottom of our hearts, we, we thank you guys for taking the opportunity to come. Um, I've never sat in many rooms with many uh, teachers in the Messianic Hebrew Roots Movement, but I've never been in a room with this many people. And so um, I truly believe God's doing something in this time. Uh, and I thank you all for being here. Um, if you're watching online, and you don't you came in after after the start of this conversation please go back get a chance to see each one of the individuals introduce their ministries introduce talk about their congregations there's congregate man get into church seriously get in a church like you know find one of these guys find their leadership find a church find a church close to you get involved get in a community um, get plugged in and uh, hopefully this is the first of many times we get to do this together so if you guys will stand with us And the Lord spoke in emotion and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom.